From the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome visual artist Ana Paula Cordero. A 2020 Pollock Krausner awardee and currently an artist research fellow at the Hispanic Society of Americas, Ana Paula Cordero thrives in the communal space. A founding member of the Introspective Collective, in 2018, she co-curated a multimedia installation at the Clemente and co-authored a book about making books titled Book Forms. Originally from Brazil, she does her work at the Center for Book Arts Shared Shop. Her artist books are collected by major institutions in the U.S. and abroad. We're going to talk to her about her work and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Anna Paulette, and What Artworks On Air. It's so good to see you. Yeah, excellent to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, so how you been? Good, good. To be emerging with the end of the pandemic, like everybody else, and feeling the sense of air and contact and being slightly overwhelmed. Yeah, with it, it. it feels... It feels like things are opening up, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, they it's a are. Good feeling. They are. Yes, we have to adjust, but it's a good adjustment. Yeah, it's a very good adjustment, uh, which allows us to do not only um, be a person, but also practice our craft and do our art, right? As yeah. well, which is great to be able to like we couldn't do this really two years ago. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is wonderful to be able to do. Yeah. So let's jump in and talk about your art, if you don't mind. I don't mind. All right. Uh, so we're going to talk about bookmaking. Okay. Which all the cool people do. Let's talk about bookmaking. Let's talk about. See, look at her. We look, and look, the nerds. Look at her. Her big. Sm- if you if you can't hear through your audio speakers, folks, her smile just <laughs> went from microphone to microphone. Mine to hers, and she's so excited. Um, I'm excited too because I'm a big nerd. She's not. She's a beautiful person. Thank you. Um, so uh, let's just let's just talk like from like the wider scope and work our way in. So how did you find your way into book art? Accidentally. I fell into the rabbit hole. I used to be next door to a place called the Center for Book Arts. I was at a point in life where I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I had some aspirations, but I couldn't put my finger down what would be the means to actualize them. And I, I I was a photographer at that time. I wanted to find a way that I could have some sense of time based narrative of my photographic work. I didn't want to have work that was good enough for magazines that never inspired me. I wanted to be able to tell a story, but with stills. And I thought I could learn how to make books so I could have a little bit of control over that. In short, I wanted to learn how to make photo albums and add content to my own photo albums. And from there on, it was a whole new world and that was a long time ago. Well, you've, when, when was that? What year was that? 2002. 2002. Yeah. 20 years yeah. plus. Yeah. How about that? Did not see it coming. I'm very happy I'm here right now. But when I look in retrospect, it was a bit of a miracle. Well, yeah. and you're here to tell a tale, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so this may sound like common sense, uh, which is sometimes eludes me, but I'll say it anyway for myself. Um, do you find the first challenge to overcome with book art is that despite all the materials that go into making it, uh, it isn't just to be looked at, but to be experienced. Yeah. Uh, with the intention for each page to be looked at and uh, informed by its texture, volume, weight, color, et cetera, so on, as well as its content. Yeah, it's it's a 
it's something to work on it. Uh, gallery space is not designed or defined for that kind of experience. It's a, right. it's a handicap that the entirety of the medium has to offer. It's not the kind of thing we imagine, like, for instance, people have a solo show with books. It doesn't quite sound right. It sounds like this is a library, not an art gallery. <laughs> right. right. We are in the kind of a, in a we are in an in-between place. And that is a difficulty, but I find that challenge exciting because it makes it be that to one of the small interactions that each piece gets to have with a person, it is by, by in itself um, an exception. And as an exception, it lives with it. it. That person who is going to experience that exception feels the weight of it, feels the, the, the presence of it. And it just feels like the work comes more alive the way. It's, no, it's still something to be worked on it, how we move on and how we navigate the world where things are meant to be consumed in a much quicker fashion or with much less... Um, the word that comes often, people talk about books is meditative. I'm not quite sure the works the word works well, but it is a it is a quality of it. There is a meditative quality to the making, and there is a a type of presence to the interacting with the work that it requires a special set of circumstances. And the people who are lucky enough or who just find themselves serendipitously, like I found myself, surrounded by that, are touched. They that's something that goes with them for the rest of their life, essentially, as opposed to one more one more of the many things that are out there for people to have. Yeah. 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 And I think it does help. It's funny when you mentioned like a gallery show of book art. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think you almost need like, it's kind of sad to see like, if, it, there was, if, there, if there was, if you walked in, because sometimes you walk into a gallery and there's like, somebody sitting at the desk and there's like, you just walk down the hall in an empty space, right? Yeah. And you're left alone in this kind of cold, like, you know, <laughs> just, vacuous place you know yeah. vacuous place just in a vacuum vacuous place and it's like can you imagine like it's all these just books sitting there going like how the hell am i going to you know, what am i like, supposed to do like, what the hell am i supposed to do read all yeah. of them and you know like page through them all that's that's work you yeah. know or whatever but um and i think it does take uh a good curator and a good um uh help and i think uh um, that's why I brought it up in our conversation saying like I think it's important to urge people to be adventurous and mm -hmm. move forward because how many times were we told not to touch and your mother <laughs> and your mother slaps your hands away <laughs> right. from the artwork or whatever or the museum yeah. piece or whatever so I think it's important to encourage people to experience it which leads me into talking about um, your latest project Body of Evidence um, which I want people to know about and experience mm. um Quote, body of evidence invites the reader to be uh, an empathetic witness to the tension between a desire for privacy and a desire to be open and welcoming, end quote. Uh, that was from you somehow, somewhere. Uh, having only been able to witness it online thus far myself, um, personally, I had such a desire to examine each page, mm -hmm. uh, like clues to a collective mystery that may never be solved um but also uh, observing in the individual attention of each page um the book within the book so the books within the book so to speak right um so would you mind speaking to your journey in building the narrative of the book because i just got i had such a wonderful and um 
I won't say there's so many, too many different adjectives, but like you know, you, I got caught up in the individual story of, of the page, and then also mindfulness of the larger of, of saying how does this fit into the larger narrative. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious in your journey and putting it together. It was quite a journey. It I have found out not that I had a plan for it, but that is how it turned out to be. That when I go to make a book, I look back to my old books. I keep journals. I collect materials, I build my own journals from scratch. And when it comes time to have a body of work that is gonna be consolidated, I consult my, my older previous works that are very private. And I extract material from that. And um, I tend to pepper that with, with the, the, um, the experience at large, what I can find of references in literature or uh, talks that I have attended or things that I have seen or witnessed or being, um, things that people shared with me and that all ends up to be in a way part of the book what that creates is a it's a narrative that is not linear and it's 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 like looking at an abstracted painting in a way mm-hmm. and trying to figure out if those random apparently random strokes do form something that you can identify as something that exists in the physical realm fragments of a larger picture maybe pretty much and it adds up to it i have a friend who said once she read one of my books and she said i learned something i just don't know what it was <laughs> <laughs> great yeah yeah it is it is a it it's um books can be anything right that's one thing that is exciting about being make books at this day and age because with digitalization books don't have to be what they were supposed to be anymore well, you don't information have to have comes from anywhere. Sorry to interrupt, you, interrupt you, but you don't have to have a literal response to a book. Yeah, pun intended. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I'm being truthful. It's like the, 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 the visceral res- response is enough. That's that's exactly that's that's precisely what I'm out to get. I want people to feel it, but not feel it because they connect with their minds, or because it added to some piece of information or to some category, but because they feel emotional. Well, that that was that's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. wonderful description because, um, without trying to impose anything definitive about the book mm-hmm. or how you're supposed to be feeling or blah blah blah, uh, I, I'm curious because I felt this way uh, going through. If there was a deliberate impulse, this project to attempt uh, to evoke and maybe test me at times uh, the individual's capacity for empathy and um, you know, both on an, an, an immediate level with the individual pages and the all-encompassing levels with how the fragments created and how they moved within the pages. Yeah, that's that's a great response. That's a, that's a absolutely wonderful response. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, that, that's how I responded to things that have not necessarily books but to just you know singular experiences where I wasn't quite expecting to be engaged and I found myself uh, transformed in a way once I walked into a fabric store and I saw so many different patterns that I got out of it as if something had clicked inside of me and I couldn't see the world again the same way I was looking at it anymore and I think those because it was it was an experience that was not something that I was prepared for it uh, it it added to a different dimension in a way, and I, I suppose that's one thing that happens with books. People are not expected. People are not expecting to be, uh, to be, touched, mm-hmm. because they don't realize that they are touching the object. It's yeah. it's a, there is a word for that. It's called haptic. I'm not sure you're familiar with that haptic. word. Haptic. Yeah. I am H- now. H a p t i c. 
um, it refers to the type of information they receive from your senses when you are reading something. I mean, that is one interpretation of it. I'm sure there is people more qualified to give you a, a good, concise definition. My, my, my reading of it, the way I relate to the word, is the, it's like a sixth sense in a way. When you are reading something, if you're reading from a screen, you have one response. If you're reading from something that you hold, you have a different response. That is something that filters the way we receive the information. And the, the weight and the volume and the texture of the object you're reading from also inform how you absorb the physical information that is not physical, the intellectual, <coughs> the intellectual information that is present on the book. That all adds and that all creates um, dimensions. That's where it comes down to be. Things get to be um, not just flat on the page and not just a cerebral processing, but um, it's almost like information comes from everywhere around you, as if so. It's, I think we're getting, if you get down to the, the whole idea, Hoptic is maybe the way you interact with the material physically. The way you, part of it. the way, yeah, the, the physicality of the material interferes with how you absorb the information That's the material right. contains. That's right. That's what I was getting from it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, on a very basic level, I still print out PDFs or, or Word documents on my computer and I, <laughs> and I love to have them and mark them up. And if someone gives them something to read, if someone gives me a, as they do almost every other day, a new script to read or whatever. Mm -hmm. I always like, I, I, I know I can't print them all up, but the ones I really want to spend time on, I always print you out. You have to print, you have to hold I it. I always love to. I love you want to hold it. I want to hold it. I want to mark it up. Yeah. I, want, I want to break it down. And mm -hmm. I want it to, and they, <laughs> as any, uh, with, with my theater background, it's that, you know, you, the, 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 the script you create for yourself ends up becoming a work of art in itself. Yep. Becomes your own roadmap to your understanding of the material. Yep. Um, it becomes yours. Yeah, I don't think no you want people marking up your book, but uh, <laughs> I hope not. but may, or, or unless that's unless that's a, that a book art a, project that, that, that people want like to a do. Good project. But I think it'd be a cool project mm -hmm. to seeing. You know how <laughs> here I am telling people what to do, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, but like but but how? But what an interesting process of seeing. It's not complete without um, uh, interpersonal. You know, people. Yeah. You know, their, their, but their, their, their additions ends up adding to the, uh, the artwork and, yeah. and making it whole in some way. There is a, there is a Brazilian poet called Mario, Mario Quintana who wrote that he thinks that his books, and that was before I knew of anything about book arts. I'm sure that I'm, I'm, I suspect that he didn't know much about book arts because book arts are a bit of an alien in space and I have never heard such a thing being in Brazil. But... I suspect he wrote it from a different place. He was not thinking about that as um, a category. He was thinking about that as something that was coming from his heart. He said that he wanted his books to be printed with wide margins so the children could write around and draw around it and those would become part of the book. So each one, of his, each one of his books would have, it would be like each one of his books would be its own piece of work the as opposed to the regular right. edition. Yeah. Participation. Yeah. 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 That's the word I was searching for earlier yep. and it blew me. Um, well, what a great idea. Um, but I'd like to go back a little further now um, to, on the multi multimedia installation. And now group, I believe, uh, the introspective collect collective, collective. Uh, which used Joseph Cornell's uh, life and art as the inspiration framework to create art that can be both reflective and also an advocate for change. Uh, it began with your show at the Clemente, correct? Mm -hmm. And has gone on. It has gone on because you invited me to have the piece at 
Cabrini. The, the, was that the next thing you guys did? Yeah. I didn't well, know that. We had we had a, we had another thing that was about to happen that month and got canceled because of the pandemic. Oh geez. Okay. I know in Boston. We well, at least we got yours in. Yeah, right. Well, that was the last show we've done since then, too. We just made it. And we did. didn't know what we were getting into it, did we? We no, looked we back. Know. We did like the, the three of us were in the show. We looked back and, and thinking, thinking that was the last time we got together. Oh. And oh, physically. Yeah. Not last time forever. And, and we have gotten together in many ways, different ways. But throughout the pandemic, we, we found ourselves mesmerized the fact that we had no idea that that would have been so meaningful to us because that was literally the, the cusp of it right yeah, everything it was really about was. it it was the so last thing we did before everything has completely got completely transferred yeah so we'll yeah have, we'll have to find out another time to do it again yeah right right you keep going so to. yeah it was a introspective collective it's not a group it is a free forming <laughs> um assemble of different people with different goals essentially what we want is to to um, offer, I'm sure I can find you a very concise definition if I look up somewhere. My co co conspirator, Karalek, or old, wrote an excellent description of it, but I forgot to bring it with me, so I'm going to give you my feeling for it, which is that we want to be involved. We want to be involved with the act of showing. We don't want to deliver a work to the gallery, we want the gallery to be part of the work. And that's how the Clemente installation got got um, motivated, got inspired for. That's where the inspiration came from. We wanted to be able to create our own exhibition space. The artists would be, because we do that. As artists, mm, the vast majority of my friends artists juggle different art making mm -hmm. gigs and jobs and, and, and um, opportunities. We all, a whole bunch of us are art handlers, a whole bunch of us are administrators, a whole bunch of us teach, and those are all Things that don't come up to bear when we have the white space. The white space seems to be this kind of sacred space where only the art shows. And I'm not very happy about it. I wanted to see more of what goes, what the, the raw emotions that go with making art. So that particular installation, the Clemente, the idea was that everybody who was participating in the show had also something to do with the making of the show in itself. And the work was created for the show. It was very site specific. It was it was an amazing experience. We we had a very short notice and we managed to pull it off with a bit of miracles here and there and 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 it was it was like like the like reading a book that has been done by has been made by hand. It was a unique experience for all of us. It turned up to be with twenty artists. We didn't expect that we could have that much turnaround wow. on a short notice, but it was encompassed encompassed film, encompassed photographs, poetry. Uh, the artwork that was made for the site, which was something that was inspired by Joseph Cornell's, uh, his chosen medium, or the medium that chose him, if people can look at that way too, the, the boxes, shadow boxes yeah. that we then, we had a set format and we were talking about climate change and uh, any, any, any iteration of the theme, it could be social, it could be environmental, it could be political, and we all had pretty original and authentic interpretation of it in a very short period of time. It was great. I would love to do something like that again. Is there any plan for the group to do something in like maybe next year or later this year? Uh, not not as of yet, but we will, we, we, we have the intention. Things got so thrown up in the air with the pandemic sure. 
then we kind of lost our our thread. As I said, we had a show that was canceled up in Boston, which was poetry based. Okay. A bunch of uh, we were curating a, a version of it that was just related to poetry. We're probably gonna reconnect with that, see that through, and then put energy into what's gonna be the next iteration of this larger collective environment. Well, you have yeah. time. I have, yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's good to know. I should listen to that on a regular basis. I'm going to save this little portion of the podcast and put it on repeat. <laughs> I have time. You have time. I have time. You're like, God, yeah. I'm so sick of hearing Aaron's voice. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us about your, well, I don't know if you have time because you have a residency right now as the Artist Research Fellow at the Spanx Society of America. What are you working on there? I am just starting that out. That was another thing that got uh, got to a rough start with the pandemic. We mm -hmm. just, as a group, collected around maybe the month before the pandemic, and you know, the pandemic came, and we don't know what we're doing. Nobody <laughs> knows what they're doing. By the way, yeah, you're thank you. Staying at home for two years, <laughs> <laughs> right? So we got, yeah, so we got, you know, a little pushed along the road, which was good because we had all the things to worry about. It we couldn't really get to. I couldn't at that point wrap my mind around what would be my focus of it. So it turned out that now is the best time for me to get engaged on it. And I had started just recently, a couple of months ago. It's not, a, it's not so much a residency, it is a research fellowship. And it's a pilot program. Alexander Campos, who was the Center for Book Arts Director mm -hmm. for many years, is now the development, uh, development, I think development coordinator or director at the Hispanic Society. And he created this program for which he got funding from a foundation that now escapes me, but I will make sure I get to you at some point <laughs> because it's nice to credit. It is. Um, um, he, they're basically paying us to come over and take a look at the collection and tell, they call, tell them why we chose those pieces and what has inspired us to do with it. Um, the collection is vast, and the Hispanic society has been there. You know the story. It's one of the... Not, not recently, but yes. But you understand that mm -hmm. the scope of it, the collection is enormous. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the enormity of it. It's, that's another reason why it was good to not start right away, because it didn't know what we were looking at. It's like the blind people touching the elephant and think it's a rope or thinking it's this part and the other part. Um, the thing is enormous, and there's the, 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 the breadth and the scope of it it's just breathtaking. We, I spent some time not even knowing what a wizard that I wanted to be interested in, that I, would, I wanted to look at it. I, for a while, and that's, that's something that was really refreshing about it, it felt like that um, impulse that I had, and I suppose many people have as younger people, that you are getting to something you don't know what it is, and it can be anything. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have like a goal, or it's like, it becomes what is supposed to be play work. Um, unsupervised and... Um, uncharted territory for us to explore. That's that's the feeling that I get. Right now I'm feeling a little more in it. I've been looking into books that talk about how Europeans look at, at the Native Americans and the people who are indigenous populations. And also at books itself, of course, there's a whole lot of books there. There are thousands and thousands of books should be looked She's at. She's smiling at. again, folks, if you can't <laughs> see it. <laughs> and maps. They have a great collection of maps of how the Americas are represented, how how people would, um, something that tickles me a lot, how people would fill in the space they didn't know what it was and what kind of, uh, how, they, how they would decorate the little area that was completely beyond their ability to know and see. There's, there's so much that should be enjoyed about that. Yeah, we are going to have a, a program tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. Awesome. I know. And many more, I hope. I am, yeah, well, hopefully. 
That's amazing. Well, mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. You're really kicking butt. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? Yeah. Yeah. When we started talking about books, there was some, an aspect of it that that came just about to be talked about it, and then we, do, we, we got distracted and went somewhere else. Um, I think there is some... some um, there is some potential to be explored, and it's something that I'm very eager to do in relationship to having the book viewing experience as a performance in and of itself. And I'm going to make a disclaimer here before, as I just mentioned to you before, I am not a performer. I had a stretch fright since I was age zero. To be, um, to be observed in the act of doing something is something that causes me a lot of anxiety and tension, and yet, I feel that the book has a medium, has the potential to be experienced as something that that um, that brings brings that characteristic. It represents so many things, and the way people interact with books has so much representation in of itself. Books were the things that held the sacred texts. That that was the function of the book to start with, to be the word of God, and then the next iteration of that will be to be what holds value. The books were made to be accountant tools. So they were leases and leases and leases of goods and what the birth of capitalism came out to be. Goods and, and, and transactions and keeping track of um, everything that was was exchanged between people and, and goods and, 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 and services. Um, it, there is something about uh, relating to the book as an authority, to the physical object of the book as an authority, that I'm very curious about and I'm wanting to dedicate some more time investigating and perhaps creating a work. And part of it that is an exciting challenge for me is, as I said many times, I don't like to perform, I don't like to be in front of the cameras, I freak out when there is some some sense of being observed at all. But that challenge is interesting to me. I feel like there is so much to be learned about doing something that is so extremely out of my comfort zone. Because at this point, books are second nature to me. It's something that can, it, I'm very fluid with it. It's, I don't know where I start and the book ends or where the book starts when I end. It's like one thing leads to the other. But to add another dimension that I should explore it from the performatic perspective is a serious challenge. Yeah. And I think it has a lot of potential, not just for me, but for the medium. I wanted to explore it because I feel like as a medium, it deserves to be considered by more than libraries and, and not the like I love libraries. I, I'm I'm a, I could be a library bug for the rest of my life and be a happy bug. But there's more out there for the book. And I feel like bridging that between between uh, multidisciplinary approaches is pretty much the way I would like to see this going. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a great you kind of entered both questions, the last one and this one as far as like maybe what's next for you. And, it is, is it? And, yeah. And actually, you know, where where you where we're going, and 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 going back to that first question or, or early question about you know uh, <clears throat> experiencing the book. Mm-hmm. It's not just because of all the you know they see it as a precious piece of art sitting there mm-hmm. because you spent so much time and effort creating with all these different very unpronounceable name materials uh, <laughs> to create whatever this thing, very, thing very that, outdated thing, technology uh, thing that contains more things within that mm-hmm. creates a collective thing um, that is that is somehow poetic and also um, you know has some kind how to experience it is not it's not just from uh, one sense it's 
and I think you kind of just wrap it all together here and just hopefully a tiny bow for you is that, you know, multimedia, printing out, holding the pages, mm -hmm. not just on a screen, um, or it's on a screen and in your hands, or there's a combination of both or one or the other, uh, and how you're, you're consuming the information, you're touching the different materials, you're, you're reading the content, and you're processing the content, and you're giving yourself ways to experience the material. You're not, it's not walking into a gallery and seeing a book that's nicely created and crafted and bound put together. That's not enough. It's, it's, it's finding ways to put it, putting yourself through the humanity, um, using your own humanity to explore the humanity of the book, I guess. That's, that's that sounds excellent. Does that yeah. sound okay to you? It sounds excellent. I, I like almost it. lost the handle there for a second. But, but, but you got but, it. But you I brought it back. You, you brought it back and you brought it back <laughs> with style. <laughs> Good job. Thank using you your much. humanity to explore the humanity of the object. That's excellent. I like that a lot. I knew I was getting there. How to get there is a rough road. <laughs> it's, but it's but that's art for you, right? <laughs> that's art. That's, that's certainly <laughs> art. Is, what is art without risk, right? Well, that's the idea. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I think that's the thing. It's like, you're, I'm listening to you talk about, you know, how do you, like, I'm thinking, how the hell is she going to do a performance piece on this book? And then I'm thinking to myself, too. Too, like but that's the question and then you start ruminating the question and you end up start finding tiny answers and just like your book the fragments start moving you start moving these fragments around and then it may not be the picture of the book but it could be um, a meditation like your friend said you know I don't know what it was but I know how it made me feel mm -hmm. and I think that's enough that's great that's excellent that that's enough that's a good start at the same time it's both enough and a good start because I feel like, again, with art, risk is part of it. It's taking the chance. Maybe we'll fall flat on the ground. But the fact that the chance will be taken in and of itself it speaks of the passion for it. Absolutely. And people respond to that. People respond to the effort. I agree. And that's exactly what we're doing here. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> speaking of which. <laughs> yep. Well, Anna Paula, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Uh, before we say goodbye, where can people go to find out more about your current and forthcoming projects uh, the, my the, website yeah. Ana Paula Cordeiro um, maybe you can put that in writing somewhere we <laughs> so will definitely put it in the description of this episode anapaulacordeiro.com I am on Instagram my handle is anaco um, underscript D-E-X anacodex at anacodex and um, the Center for Book Arts is a good place to visit they, we have a, a research library and a fine arts library, and they have an excellent holding of what has been done in terms of book arts for the past, since the 70s, was founded in 1974, mm -hmm. and it, it covers a very critical period of the, the book as a form, as a medium, as a craft, as a conceptual piece, as, any, as in, any, you name it, any number of things. And the library is open to the public. You can make an appointment and you can look at my work and someone else's work. We have an excellent collection there. I highly recommend visits. People, you have your orders. Go <laughs> do it right now. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, we'll put um, those links in the description of this episode. Cool. And Thank make sure you. we spell them correctly. <laughs> uh, so thanks again to Anna Paula Cordero for joining Thank me on this very special In What Artworks On Air Artist Spotlight. Thank you very much. It was a lovely experience. And um, it's just wonderful to be able to talk about it with, with a good report. Thank you, Aaron. You, you make you have fun to play with. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I pride myself on being a good playmate. You do. Um, so this is In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment... 
please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Uh, many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here at Inwood NYC for hosting us and to HideSites.com for Uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media at InwoodArtworks to follow up with all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Uh, Inwood Artworks is a proud, is very proud to be supported uh, in part by public funds, the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs, in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.